Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast. The podcast that explores the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. Grognak the Barbarian, he's gonna smash you with his axe. He's gonna beat up all the bad guys and kick them in the... Hey, uh, buddy, but whoa, whoa, whoa. We're, we already started recording. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, you're uh, uh, pretty excited about that new comic book you got there, huh? Yeah, Grognak. He's gonna kick all the bad guys in there. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, we got that. Uh. Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. Um. Buddy Bot's here again. Yeah, I'm here again. And uh, Buddy Bot, you got a uh, new comic book. It looks like it's a Grognak. It's not just Grognak. Oh, it's not just Grog. Well, who else is in your comic book? The Unstoppables! The Unstoppables are gonna kick the bad guys in the... Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, we got that, we got that. Um, So, yeah, so this episode, well, that's that's a fun thing. We don't want to talk about The Unstoppables today, Bunny Bot? Yeah, that sounds great. Okay, um, here, you go, you go read your comic over there in the other... The, yeah, three rooms away. There you go, yes. Bye, everybody. Bye, 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 buddy, bye. All right. So, uh, yeah. So, welcome back to the show, everyone. After last week's episode about the the Order of Mysteries and the Mistress of Mysteries, I thought it would be a good idea to go through and talk about Hubris Comics and the Unstoppables and the rest of the characters from this wonderful fake comic world from the world of Fallout. It's not fake. Okay, it's not it's not fake. Um and it's real. It's real, buddy bot. It's real. Uh so yeah, anyway, so I thought this would be a great opportunity to talk about Hubris Comics and the Unstoppables and the villains that they they seem to be paired up against. So let's dig into it. Hubris Comics is a company that shows up in the Fallout games, but beginning in Fallout 3, but then again in Fallout 4, 76, also New Vegas, also the board game, and Fallout Shelter. Uh, Fallout Shelter Online, which is different, I think, than the actual Fallout Shelter. It's the uh, free-to-play mobile game by the Chinese studios. I'm just looking in here. I think this is like the uh, the Asian version of the game. Um if somebody knows the difference between Fault Shelter and Fault Shelter Online, remind me because I don't remember right now. But that's not the point of this episode. Uh, so Hubris Comics was founded pre-war 2062. They created the Unstoppables and with a, a series of different, uh, I guess you could say different heroes that had some of their own comics and then they would come together for the Unstoppables. So it was very much like an Avengers-like setup where you had captain america or you had iron man or thor or whoever but then they would come together for the group comic the avengers that's the unstoppables and the silver shroud and grognak were two of the most popular characters we mentioned also the mistress of mysteries she was one of the other most popular characters for the for the company now they also did more than just comics they had 
radio plays and television series and toys and games. They even had a, a series of holotapes and software games that came out. Things like um, Waste Lad and Grognak and the Ruby Ruins. And then there was one called Reign of Greelock. Greelock was a villain for uh, Grognak to take out. And that one is particularly interesting because it's designed like a text-based adventure game. And these games are, some, some of these actually run in the game. So if you haven't found them in Fallout 4 or wherever and put them into a computer, put the little holotape in, you can actually play the games. And the games are very simple and short, but they harken back to a like 1980s, 1970s, 80s style of video games. So for specifically Reign of Greelock works like an old text adventure where you can choose to go north by typing north or investigate or attack Greelock or whatever, right? You can use basic text commands in order to further the story. And it's very simple. And Grognak has a, a magical ax that he uses to kill Greelock with. And then eventually you, you can beat the game. Um, but it's like for people like me who were around back in the 1980s and had played some of these games. I remember in this here's fun little personal story uh, there. Was, I had a girlfriend my ninth grade year and she somehow I guess through her dad. This is, this is all very foggy at this point because I'm thinking way back, but had the Lord of the Rings text adventure and gave me the floppy disk <laughs> and I was able to try and play it and it was terrible. It was really hard. In fact, I think it was the return of the king because you started out as Frodo and Frodo and Sam working your way towards Mordor through like the wilderness and then Smeagol shows up, right? Gollum shows up and then, but, um, and if you, you, it was really easy to die in those. You make the wrong decision on some screen and then you're just dead and you have to go back or reload the save. But this this is really cool because these games were real things and this company actually existed. Now, they did collaborate with a variety of other companies out there. Um, so, for example, uh, Vault-Tec Corporation, where they created a few different series called like Hell's Chain Gang and Underground Life. And then more notably, Propaganda Comics that were for the U.S. government, like Tales from the Front. And they also partnered with a board game company called Don't Be Board Games in order to produce the Unstoppables Shindig board game, which we have in this. This is content that was added for 76 with some of the uh, some of the board games that you go through in order to unlock all the different stuff you can unlock in Fallout 76. And so they expanded on our knowledge in just the last few years of 76 with items like this. So pretty cool stuff. Let's get into the Unstoppables themselves, though, because there are so this is it's an interesting thing. They have this entire cast of characters and we collect the different covers of the different comic books and the art is wonderful. I love I loved when you would come across these in the games because they were so distinctly different, not just the Unstoppables, but any of the comics, the artwork it's a love letter to the comic book industry at different periods of time with different styles of artwork. And, and it's such a contrast to the world that you're seeing around you. Yes. The covers are all worn out. 
you've definitely got like splotches where the, the art and the ink is kind of chipped off or the pages are torn but the covers that we get are beautiful you have everything from artwork in the I guess you could say like the golden or the silver age styles the very heavily penned with the thick black outlines around uh, shadows or the edges of the characters but then you end up with a variety of different ep like episodes episodes the right word issues I guess of each of them where a certain character is called out as the like the focus character of that comic so for example there's one that's the unstoppables possessed by Ragnarok who can stop the unstoppable Grognarok and on the cover of it is it what looks like a possessed grognak like lifting somebody by their throat with like dead bodies around or I don't know Cthulhu-esque tentacles or something coming out from behind him but the artwork in that one is way more like late 90s 2000s very like much more high quality uh, detailed art that looks a lot more like a real person with real shadows and real coloring that kind of stuff so as the technology improved in our own history of comics the art styles took advantage of that as well and so you have that across all of these different episodes it's it's really really cool i would recommend i mean it's an audio platform but i would recommend going and just looking them all up sometime and you're going to see that there's this uh different versions of the art as as time goes on and sometimes even today with comics they actually do art styles specifically in a more antiquated style in order to get a certain feeling kind of like creating a video game with pixel art because it gives the feeling of a 1980s or 1990s type of game but today like why not still use that right now we don't actually get the full stories of any of these comic book covers that we see we definitely get covers and we have kind of an understanding of what's going on with some of the covers but we don't necessarily get a, a full story it's not like we have the whole comic that we can flip through so you kind of have to read between the lines a little bit now what we do know about the background of the unstoppables specifically is that they wanted to bring together the five most popular heroes so the mistress of mystery the silver shroud grognak the barbarian the inspector and manta man and the reason they did this was to attempt to salvage their dying popularity these some of these comics were kind of on the out and this again mirrors some real world comics type stuff you had for the the golden age of comics and the invention of Superman and Batman and these kinds of things but then you have the Silver Age and during different time periods some of the comics became more or less popular so for example in the 1940s and 50s Captain America was huge because of the whole World War II thing and, and the, the pro-American aesthetic but later on the character reduced in popularity Iron Man was the same way until the, the movies came out and they took a chance on Iron Man 1 and it was a hit and then all of a sudden Iron Man went from being like third-rate hero nobody really talked about him anymore to the forefront and somehow they resurrected Captain America also with that um, so you have kind of these like growing and waning popularity moments in real comics and the same thing was happening here they thought if they brought them all together for these heroic adventures that 
they would become more popular again. And so they faced off against a variety of different foes. We do know that the foes include things like fantasy spirits, giant dinosaurs, aliens from another galaxy, and the uh, very specifically the un-American villains, because this was an American comic company doing pro-American stuff during times of turmoil pre-war. So, of course, some of the messaging in this and this, again, mirrors the real world where like Captain America punches Hitler in the face, <laughs> right? Like that's a real comic cover. Go look it up. So, of course, they have communists and anti-capitalists as the villains. And this includes villains like the Mechanist, Dr. Brainwash, Ragnarok, Kamikaze. <laughs> that's probably the best name in all of them. And then there's the group called the Diabolicals, which you might think was a power group of all of these heroes, but no, it's not. The, the Diabolicals includes a very specific cast of characters, and we're going to get to that in the second half when we get a little bit more detail into each of these. Now, you might be wondering, I didn't mention the Antagonizer, which is in fact a villain, but it's not counted among the greatest villains. It's a, it's a character that shows up as a villain in a Grognak the Barbarian comic, but doesn't necessarily show up against the Unstoppables specifically, and uh, wasn't one of the more popular of the series. Uh, in fact, there was a letter that complains that the... Um, the new writers on the series aren't as good and they treated the antagonizer as a two-dimensional villain so it seems that they might have been more beloved and then weren't as much i don't know it's one of those things where we just don't have a whole lot of information on it the funny thing here is that that person demanded the return of mr morellis mr morellis who had previously written for the series morellis is a portmanteau of Alan Moore and Warren Ellis, very famous comic book industry uh, writers. Now, before we get into the specific other characters, which we'll do after the mid break, we do know a little bit more about Hubris Comics because we've been to three of their locations. There is the Arlington, Virginia location. Then there's one in uh, Back Bay in Boston. Massachusetts, and then there's also one in the Watoga Shopping Plaza in West Virginia. In Arlington, you have an actual manufacturing building. It's like an office and a location where they actually printed the comics. In Massachusetts, we end up with a location that is at the real world location of another comic store. Uh, there's a comic shop in Boston called Newberry Comics, and that the original flagship location is at 332 Newberry Street. And it seems like this location for Hubris Comics is exactly at the same location in the in the way that the map kind of corresponds between the game and, and the real world. So in that location, you come across the Silver Shroud costume and a variety of different items and some pieces of comics and and of course quest lines for Grognak and all of that stuff. So so that one's particularly interesting. But then we also have the location in West Springs in Fault 76. And this location is, I don't feel like it's as deep or interesting as the others. It's the only location that's actually called Hubris Comics in Toys. So N, just no I-N, just N with single apostrophes around it, in Toys. So where is the other locations 
actually have lots of different loot and comics and things that you can find in them, this location, not so much. But it does count because it's on the list. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love Marvel Comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen pretty much every Marvel movie they've made so far. So if you're into Marvel like I am, go check out Marvel Strike Force. This is a mobile squad RPG. You can collect and unlock all the different heroes. You fight against supervillains. There's a campaign. There's a blitz mode. There's an arena. There's a constantly evolving meta. And right now they're celebrating the Deadpool anniversary event. This is a mission from Strike where you log in the first time and you unlock this generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, a bunch of other items. It is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out. Click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, MAXPOOL. Don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. This is where we get to thank our patrons, including our newest patron, Jake S. Welcome to the Patreon, Jake. And we get to shout out, well, all of our patrons, but especially the names of our sentry bots. So thank you so much to Dylan R. and Larry D. for supporting the show at Tier 5. Hello, SentryBots, and all 74 of our other patrons. Thank you so much to all of you guys. You guys are the best. I couldn't do it without you. And you know that. You you know that. Also, there's a new review that came in from the U.S. from Kiss Kiss Fall in Love on Apple Podcasts that says, My favorite and only Fallout lore podcast. I happened to find this podcast, and I have loved it ever since. I haven't listened to all the episodes yet, uh, but... It's a work in progress. My first goal was to listen to all the episodes about vaults, and I have. First game was Fallout 4, and I've played a little bit of Fallout 3 and New Vegas, and I get so excited when I recognize something. I tried to think of a suggestion on something to cover, but I've already, uh, you've already covered all of my thoughts. I plan on continuing listening to this. Five stars. Kiss Kiss, I'm so glad you do. And thank you for dropping that five star rating. If anybody else would like to leave a five star rating on Apple Podcasts, I will read it out on a future episode of the show, as I always do. And you can always leave ratings on Spotify or tell your friends about the show or any of that stuff. All of that helps. And it is extremely appreciated. So that's going to do it for the mid-break this week. Let's get back to some info about the specific heroes and villains. Here we go. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. All right, so let's get into it. Who are these heroes and villains? How much do we actually know about them? Well, let's start with Grognak. Grognak, the barbarian, he travels through ancient lands battling fantastical monsters and villains, such as characters like Greelock, like we mentioned from the uh, holotape game. And he's always depicted as wearing you know, a loincloth and a belt. And then he's got the big weapons, the gloves, the, the boots. You can also, of course, get the costume and dress up like Grognak. And Grognak comes across as kind of a cross between Conan the Barbarian and Thor from the Marvel series. Because he's clearly a big guy. He relies on his brute strength. But 
he's also got some mystical powers and that kind of thing, like using the um, magic axe in order to kill Greylock in the video game. But there's other examples. So, for example, uh, fighting against a being known as Ragnarok and being possessed by it, like in that comic cover I, I was explaining, he becomes the Grognarok. He gets possessed and because something else. So there's definitely this magical element to Grognak and the world that he's living in. So he's pulled into the Unstoppables as well. Outside of the um, Unstoppables stuff and some of the other content we mentioned that he's in, like those games, there are at least 14 issues of comics that include, uh, that are specifically Grognak the Barbarian that we know of because of the different items that we can find in the world. So let's move on to the inspector. The inspector dresses kind of like a circus ringmaster with the whole like long coat with the tails and the top hat, but also has a magnifying glass. So kind of like a uh, part magician, part detective sort of thing going on here. And she seems to use magic spells and of course has the magnifying glass, meaning that she's a detective and she solves crimes and those kinds of things. Now, she may be a uh, reference to, or at least based on, Zatanna, the heroine from the DC Comics series. And we don't get a whole lot about the Inspector. The Inspector shows up in a comic book titled The Inspector, and also in the Unstoppables comic as well. Uh, but other than that, there's not a whole lot there. Um, there. There's a funny little detail that Daphne in Fallout 76 claims that at night she is the inspector. So that's pretty interesting. But um, other than that, there's not a whole lot of other stuff going on there. Let's talk about Manta Man. Manta Man, of course, is another heroic character. He's depicted wearing a skin tight orange top and green pants and a blue cape that looks kind of like manta ray wings. If you've seen manta rays in the ocean before, you get this kind of image. This is a very, very clear reference to Aquaman or Namor in Marvel Comics. You've got the underwater superhero who seems to be able to call fish to their aid and do things like that. Although he is shown to have wrist mounted blades and in, uh, you know, like, I don't know, 1960s, 1970s storytelling style. He has a mysterious evil twin brother. There are two current issues of Mantman that we know of, uh, including Voyages of the Deep and The Shrimp of Doom. Wonderful title. And then, of course, also, he shows up in The Unstoppables. Then there's the Mistress of Mystery. Hello, Mistress of Mystery, which we talked about a lot last week. She's the one who was kind of an orphan at a young age and then taken in by some... Uh, some wealthy people over in Egypt, but before that she learned to survive on the streets and she was adopted by this wealthy heiress is technically what she was on her 18th birthday and then wanted to hunt down where her parents were and try to figure out what was going on there. So she delves into ancient legends and occult stories and all sorts of stuff like that. So you've got kind of a Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of thing going on here, especially with the whole Egypt location and the whole finding mysteries with like occult organizations and those kinds of things. So you've got a little bit of the Indiana Jones kind of thing going on. Plus something else. I mean, there's, there's kind of a different feeling there for her as well. Maybe it's the whole wealthy side of society thing that uh, th this idea that like she is 
somebody, but also secretly somebody else. I mean, Indiana Jones kind of does that. Like by day, he's a professor and by, I don't know, on his off schedule, he goes gallivanting around the world. Um, something it's, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. If you guys can put your finger on what this actually is, what it is like, what the other references here that uh, is being pulled from, it feels very 1930s to me, but I don't know. Maybe you guys could shine some light on that. So of course she has her own series of comics and then she's part of the unstoppables as well. There was a TV series that was supposed to be made because that whole whole issue with that plays into the story with the Order of Mysteries, which we talked about last week. But then there's some other little details here, too. So, for example, she shows up in the Silver Shroud radio plays in her own comic, uh, which we only have one of the Unstoppables comics that mention her. But we do know that she and the Silver Shroud were longtime frem- friends, friends. I'm going to leave that in there. That's funny. Longtime friends and uh, also a love interest. She, they, I guess, had a thing, which kind of makes sense because Silver Shroud also detective uh, 1930s style noir kind of thing going on. So that that's cool. She's also partnered up with the inspector before. So, for example, there's a series of serials called Mysterium with an exclamation part mark exclamation part did I say what is words are hard friends and uh, of course she pairs up with the rest of the unstoppables too so very active character very fleshed out in ways that some of these other characters haven't been before or at least haven't been yet I guess we could say and uh, then there's of course the whole order of mysteries thing which was a way to kind of bring her to life in a sense but yet very different things happen in that story so go back and listen to that episode all right, then we have the Silver Shroud, the last of this group of Unstoppables. He's always depicted as wearing a long black trench coat with a silver scarf and a black fedora. He uses a silver submachine gun and uh, solves mysteries. This is this is the film noir guy. This is this is the character that was very uh, Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy is probably the the best connection to a comic book character that's similar to this but he's got a little bit of that batman vibe too because dick tracy was in a bright yellow suit in a very colorful age with all of these villains and it was very much a 1930s style mafia kind of thing the silver shroud is a little bit darker he wears black he's i mean the entire thing is like in black and white or at least that's what i think of when i think of him he shows up in a number of different Venues, I guess you can say a series of comics the unstoppables the radio series that we get to hear in fallout 4 uh, He was voiced by Wes Johnson who has been on the show. Hi Wes and um, We know that from the radio plays that he uh, he goes up against the mechanist and here I'm gonna read this section. This comes directly from one of the wikis But it's a it's a really nice summary as for what happens in the radio place the Mechanist story arc is divided into six parts. It begins with the murder of Mayor Murphy in Scully Square. Silver Shroud and Mistress of Mystery kill a pair of thugs responsible for the murder, only to be forced to flee to the mistress's hideout after F- Fat Mayhe, local crime boss, wounds Shroud in a confused firefight when he happens upon the scene. Although Shroud recovers from his injuries, they are forced to run as Boston police surrounds the hideout. This one actually takes place in Boston as well. 
The duo decides to infiltrate Fat Fahey's operations to learn of his role in the mayor's death. After all, nobody casually struts through Scully Square in the middle of the night. Disguising herself as a bar girl, Mistress convinces one of Fahey's gangsters to lead her into the boss's hideout. Once there, she and Shroud try to interrogate the ruffian, only to be attacked by a horde of mob bots. They emerge victorious after a desperate battle. Fat Fahey turns out to be a robot. The intrepid duo track down his master's location with the help of a damaged mob bot who craves revenge on his maker. <laughs> they find the mechanist at a pair at a pier, not a pair. <laughs> That's a very different thing. At a pier in Boston Harbor, speaking to an army of robots and planning the wholesale destruction of the city. Before they can act, however, they are caught by robots. Suspended over a pit of fire, they are freed by the vengeful mob bot who gnaws through the rope. The mechanist attempts to use Silver Shroud's gun against him, but the bullets bounce off his trench coat. Remember I said there's a little bit of Batman in here. Mortally wounding the villain. In the closing scene, the mechanist is revealed to be none other than Mayor Murphy, who faked his own death in order to accomplish his plans, using a robot made to look like Murphy to fool observers. After explaining the motives, he requests medical attention, only for his request to be denied by the Mistress of Mystery, who mocks him for not taking into account Silver Shroud's punishment towards evildoers. Much of Murphy's confusion, much to Murphy's confusion. Silver Shroud then proceeds to kill Murphy with his submachine gun. That part, not so Batman. <laughs> that part, way darker. Um, <laughs> why am I speaking like that? That part is way dark. Batman doesn't kill the villains, but Mistress of Mystery and Silver Shroud in this universe kill the villains. And the way it plays out with the whole like, oh, the mob boss was actually a robot. The robot was made by the mechanist. The mechanist is actually the mayor. Like the way that all works together. It's classic, classic comic book stories with misdirections and all sorts of fun things. So this is part of why this universe is so fun. And because of these radio plays, we actually have a sense of what the comics may have been like. Like I mentioned before, we can't actually read through the comics, but we do get some of the radio plays. So... Let's move on to some of the villains that are brought up. Of course, there's the Mechanist. The Mechanist shows up in Fallout 3 as a guy who dresses up as the Mechanist to fight somebody else who dresses up as the Antagonizer, right? So there's that whole thing. And then, of course, the, the Mechanist DLC for Fallout 4, where it's a different person with a different agenda uh, who now gives you opportunities to get hunted down by robots, but also to use their parts to rearrange any of your own robot friends into these uh, monstrosities of murder and, and death. So there is that. Uh, the, <laughs> the mechanist in the comics is basically what you heard from that radio play. There isn't a whole lot of other detail around who the mechanist actually is in any of the other comics and how any of that plays out. We don't, we don't get any more insight other than, hey, the mechanist shows up in some of the stories. So that's about it for the mechanist. Then we have Dr. Brainwash, who's also mentioned on one of the covers. And a lot of these villains we only know about because they show up on the covers. So, for example, when the Unstoppables are fighting the Decapitalists, that includes Dr. Brainwash and his army of Decapitalists. That's This is all we know. He's got an army, he hates capitalism, and he wants to brainwash everybody. And on the cover, you've got, of course, the group there, all of the Unstoppables, all five of them together. Another villain that we know of is Ragnarok from the other cover where Grognok has been 
possessed, basically. And it appears that Ragnarok, of course, the phrase for the Nordic end of the world, but it's in this you see like tentacles and you see it's it's one of those scenes in fact it's very similar to like the vision that like iron man gets of like all the other avengers have been killed or are dying and you're the only one left but in this case everybody's laying on the ground like they're dying and grognak is possessed like maybe he's the one who murdered all of them and you've got some weird lights and what looks like a face of a tentacle monster behind him with a big mouth something like that it's it's a little bit obscured by the characters in the art but who knows maybe Ragnarok is a force from beyond the world kind of like an ancient god or something like that and then we have Kamika- <laughs> Kamikaze why is this name so funny to me Kamikaze like a Kamikaze but then like Kami uh, anyway um Kamikaze shows up against Manta Man in that Unstoppables episode, and all it says is Kamikaze versus Manta Man. But Manta Man is underwater fighting what seem to be like brainwashed or bionic dolphins with communist stars on their backs. And what looks like maybe explosives? I don't know. Uh, I would love to find out what this um, comic actually entails because we don't really know anything about it other than maybe these guys are sent to go directly grab onto the superheroes and blow themselves up like a kamikaze. Seems to be the case. Uh, I don't think the dolphins themselves are kamikaze, but we don't get a picture of who the villain is in this one. And then we have the Diabolicals. The Diabolicals are a list of other villains including cataracts <laughs> which is like an eyeball in a dome instead of a head it's just a big eyeball cataracts and then pyramid which is a green-faced fellow with a pyramid hat and a little eye on the front of the pyramid above its forehead and then samurai which also has eye symbology with a, it looks like a samurai with like a red mask with another eye shape on its forehead So all of these have something to do with vision or eyesight and nothing else is explained about this That's it. Like we know that the diabolicals were Villains, but we we don't really know anything else about them. they come from the board game the unstoppables versus the diabolicals But that's about it. That's about it um, I mean, we could see some pictures of them in the board game where they, uh, I mean, they look menacing, but I'm sitting here looking at it going, okay, well, what else do I know about this? And there really isn't anything else there. The one piece of information that we do get is from the inside the vault that was released before this season. This was a season of Fault 76. Usually when, when you say board game, it's because it was one of the board games in Fault 76. Although there are board games that exist in the game other than that. Uh, this specifically says, raid your closet for a cape, a mask, and anything you can find that's made from spandex, because in Fallout 76 Season 6, you're going to team up with the Unstoppables on their first adventure. Or, I'm sorry, latest adventure. That's the word there. The villainous samurai, Pyramind, and Cataracts have grown tired of heroes, of our heroes, shutting down their individual plots and plans over the years. 
Now they've joined forces to become the Diabolicals, and they're on a mission to put a stop to the Unstoppables once and for all. That's basically it. That's, I mean, there's really not a story here that we know of. Uh, but you can get a bunch of the items in the um, in the game, including icons that look like some of the villains that you can use uh, when you run around in the world. So those are the primary villains that the Unstoppables go up against. Now, that doesn't mean that these are the only stories that were published by Hubris Comics. So we have, of course, the Unstoppables, Grognak, the Inspector, Manta Man, Mistress of Mystery, the Silver Shroud. But then we also have the Adventures of Captain Cosmos, Drake Tunstan, Chrono Cowboy, Hell's Chain Gang, which I mentioned before, Kids or Kid Wackies, Zany Hijinks, Tales from the Front, Underground Life, an eye dog and like so many other things many of these we get like the cover of but we don't get a whole lot of other detail some of them show up as like part of the game board in 76 so for example uh, the adventures of captain cosmos who i believe was brand new to the series when that came out and uh some of the other individuals that that I guess we could dig more into this like Dr. Zorbo and and those kinds of characters in a future episode But I think what I'll do is I'll save this for a game boards Episode because really that's where this stuff comes from so outside of that That's what we know about hubris comics. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Thank you for being here and have a wonderful week I'll see you next time. Oh, and remember we've got the patron chat coming up in just a week on actually in two weeks on the 31st so I'll see you guys then. All right. Goodbye, everybody. See you later. To plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Reach out to me on Twitter at robots underscore radio. Check out the Robots Radio Rocket Club, where you can join me and a bunch of our other creators creating your podcast, starting a new podcast, or helping your current podcast grow. There's more information about that on robotsradio.net as well. And you can always talk with us and the entire community, over 2,000 people on the Robots Radio Discord. Come join us. We'd love to chat with you. See you guys next time.